But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I come to you right now with fuel. Father, I need your help. Um, a lot of distractions over the last couple days. Father, I give you all I have today. Um, and then some. Father, that's one thing I've learned is I can only go so far, but with you I can go further. And today I need your direction. I need your confirmation. I want to thank you for your presence in this room. It's obvious. I want to thank you for the way that you have grown this church. Father, in this moment, I need your anointment from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need to make sure I hear you correctly. I ask that the words that you give me today, that there's no questioning them. Father, I ask that you take me over in this moment and you deliver the message to this church. Father, that you won't deliver not what I won't deliver. I ask that you take all the distractions my pride, fear, again, lack of courage. Father, you take that away and you replace it with your boldness today, Father. Most importantly, your love. Ask these things, Father, in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Mm. Today, we're going to continue our series entitled Major Growth. Guys, at the end of December, God told me that we, Christian Warriors Church, have three years to prepare for major growth. He also gave me a vision of what we need to do in order to prepare for this growth that he has planned for us. Each week throughout this series, I will reveal to you guys the steps we need to take to fulfill this mission that he's given us. Two weeks ago, we discussed the first step, which was we needed more servers, okay? That was the first thing that he put on my heart was, okay, the things that I've got planned for this church, we don't have enough volunteers. We don't have enough servers. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you right now, for all of y'all that have signed up to serve over the last two weeks, thank you so much. It's been overwhelming. We highly appreciate it. And again, yeah, amen. Y'all, round of applause for sure. Sarah looked at me, she was like, I don't know what to do with all these people. And I was like, you, you, serve, you make them serve, that's what you do. Guys, in the back of your seats, there are serve cards. At the end of this service, if you feel that God's leading you to serve in some way, grab that card, take a look at it, take it home, pray over it, and see if that's something that, uh, that God's leading you to. Again, I don't want you to do it unless God's leading you to it, amen? Amen. Last week, we took the series, this series to the book of Acts, where in Acts chapter 1, we looked at the importance of church unity. We talked about how, you know, there should be no jealousy 
when, when certain leaderships are chosen and, and, and positions on teams and so forth, jealousy does not fit in the church. Amen? Amen. If y'all missed any of these sermons, guys, you can go to YouTube and check those out at Christian Warriors Church on YouTube. This week, we'll pick back up in Acts chapter 2 where we left off. In the first part of this sermon, guys, we're going to look at some great examples of what the disciples put forth. Uh, on what a true church should perform and look like. After that, I'm going to talk. Uh, I'm going to talk about another step God has for Christian Warriors Church to take in order to prepare again for this major growth that He has planned. Let's go to Acts chapter two. Let's look at verses one through four. On the day of Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. I'm going to stop actually right there. In one place. Guys, I need you to understand that, that they're having church. They're having church. That's what they're doing. They're doing the same thing that we're doing right now. And when two or more are gathered, who's there? Amen. God's in place. Okay. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then what looked like flames of tongues, or excuse me, flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, I know we've got a lot of visitors here today and they're thinking, man, this dude finna walk up here and start speaking in tongues. <laughs> That's not going to happen today unless he tells me to. Okay, but he ain't told me to do that. Guys, the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to talk just a whole lot on the day of Pentecost. So I just want you all to know, uh, God's got us going a little bit different direction today. Usually, man, you, you give me the day of Pentecost, and I want to preach on that for, you know, 24 hours. However, again, he's got me going a different direction. There are sermons that I have preached on this on YouTube. So if there's some things, obviously, that you want covered more on, go check that out. Okay? I just want to make that point real quick. As this was taking place, guys, what was going on here, thousands of people gathered to see what was going on. And the disciples were able to proclaim all the good things God had done in everyone's native language that was present. That was present. Then Peter stepped up and preached one of the greatest sermons in history. So you got the disciples in the room, the Holy Spirit shows up, that's what this is. They're able to go out and speak in different languages. All the different languages that were present between all the people, they were able to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Then again, Peter steps up, preaches one of the greatest sermons of all time. In this sermon, Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 people were baptized and saved. 3,000 people. Right here, guys, in this moment, I need you to understand the church of Jesus Christ was born. It was born in that moment. Let's pick it back up. We're going to go and skip to verses 42 through 47, still in Acts 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is the church. This is those 3,000 people, right? The, the church of Jesus Christ was born. This is, who he's, this is who he's talking about here. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. We'll stop right there. This was the church of Jesus Christ, guys, in full form. These scriptures describe the perfect example of how a church should present itself and perform. There are seven actions described here in these six verses that every church, again, should perform, should act on. And if these seven actions are implemented, God will be able to use this church in a major way. I want to break these seven things down. Let's look first at Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So, the first action is discipleship. Churches must create discipleship by teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, I know that sounds very elementary, but here's the problem that we have in the world today. We have somebody, they get baptized, they get saved, you walk up to them, you hand them a Bible and tell them good luck. There's not much discipleship going on in the church today. A church has to do that. We have to follow up. We have to check on our brothers and our sisters. And here's what I need you to understand. That's, that's not the leadership's job. Y'all think I can keep up with everybody in here? That's y'all's job. Now, sure, we're supposed to lead you and help. And, and yeah, sure, I'll check on certain people. But, guys, I, I, we can't. Leadership cannot take care of everybody in this church. It is the church's job to disciple. Amen? And to fellowship. Churches must fellowship together and grow together like a family. That's what we do at this church, guys. We get together, we, we, we love each other, we go out to eat, we get together in homes. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I've had people come to me and just tell me, say, Micah, you know, the church changed my life, <laughs> and it wasn't your preaching. <laughs> it was because I found brothers and sisters in that church that, that, that I can fellowship with and that can lift me up when I'm struggling. Let's look at uh, verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You must have submission to the Holy Spirit. Church has got to have it. You've got to have strong faith in the Holy Spirit, and, and it, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to perform miracles. Again, I know we've got a lot of visitors here today. God's still in the miracle business, I promise you that. I've watched it many times. And the thing is, is we have to be that vessel for him. We have to be available for him as a church. Look at verse 44 and 45. Thank you. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Every church, guys, we got to be generous. Churches must be generous and help those that are in need. Okay, now, it, where did I put my notes? I want to read this. Notice it says they shared all they had, guys. Now, I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It says they shared all they had. It didn't say that the pastors and the elders at the church made them share everything they had. It didn't say they pressured them into it. It didn't say they got up there and preached about it every day, okay? The church did it themselves. This is the approach that we take here at Christian Warriors Church. 
you're not ever, you will never hear me come up here on this stage and tell you guys, y'all need to give some money. You'll never hear that. And I'm going to tell you why that is. I can sit here up here and I can preach an entire series on offerings. I can do that. I've studied it enough. But what I'd rather do is teach you how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and listen to what he tells you to do. Really, like if I tell y'all to give $100, you know, and the Holy Spirit's over telling you to give $1,000, I'm stupid. (laughs) All kidding aside. All kidding aside, guys, that's the approach that we take at this church. We want you to give what God puts on your heart to give. And we've been doing that for four years. And, and, and besides not having a big enough sanctuary today, that's the only issue we have at this church. Amen? Everything else has been financially taken care of. Exactly. It didn't get taken care of. We'll get it taken care of. Trust me. What we're going to do is we're going to do two sermons and let Bojo preach the first one. He's not in here. Yeah, he's hiding. Let's look at verse 46, guys. They worship together at the temple. We did that earlier. The church must worship together. Worship is a connection between you and God. And the more that you do it amongst believers, you'll be sitting next to one. You may not feel it, but they've got it. The Spirit's all over them, and the next thing you know, you do feel it. When we worship together, the Holy Spirit is contagious. And it spreads across the room. And here's what I need you to understand is people need that. We all need it, but let me, let, me, let me break that down a little better. You don't know what the person sitting next to you has been going through that week. You, you have no idea. But when you get in here and you worship together and you feel the Holy Spirit like we felt him today and like we do every Sunday, it changes lives. It changes lives. Verse 47. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Every church must be joyful, guys. It must be filled with joy in order to reflect the goodness of God. And then they must be hospitable. Churches must well. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Man, see, this is one I struggle with because, I mean, I don't know show of hands, but I'm sure this has happened to a lot of y'all where you walk in the door of a church and nobody even says hello. Nobody even gives you eye contact. Well, maybe they give you eye contact because you're sitting in their seat. You look funny. Well, I, um, I take that one very serious. I take that one very serious. And And what's so cool is, guys, I've not had to coach that. You guys just do it. I have not one time had to go out there and say, we need a different greeter, you know, or or we need, you know, somebody else that, that gets them to their seats and so forth. We have loving people in this church. Hospitality, being, being hospitable. Guys, it's not just in this church. You got to take that to your home. You got to take that to your job. It reflects God in a major way. Let's review these seven actions, guys, uh, that each church needs to implement real quick. Discipleship, fellowship, submissiveness to the Holy Spirit, 
generosity, worship, to be joyful and hospitable. Now, here's what I need you to understand. All those seven things, if you'll do one thing, all seven of those will fall into place. Just love on people. Just let God's love pour out of you. All this stuff will fall in place. I preached this, I think it was two weeks ago, guys. When, you, when you're struggling with a situation, you don't know what to do, just love. God is love. When you love, he's there. But here's what I want you to, I want you to catch this, guys. I want to go read the rest of verse 47, the second half of it. And I want you all to see what happens if a church will implement these seven things. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So many churches today will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get some company to come in and tell them why they're not growing. It's right here. If you'll do those seven things, and here's the great part. It's not just about your church growing. It's God's kingdom growing. Man, when I read this, it hit me in the face. These are seven things that if we can follow these seven things, and I'm going to be brutally honest with you right now, I tried to find one of the seven that this church is not doing right now. I tried. Thank y'all. Y'all have hit every bullet point, and it's obvious. Excellent job, church. Excellent job. I want to move on to Acts chapter 3, guys. Here in chapter 3, Peter and John went to a prayer service at the temple. When they arrived at the temple, they saw a lame man being carried in. Peter claimed healing over this man in the name of Jesus Christ, and the man immediately stood up and walked. All those that witnessed this miracle were shocked and amazed. Let's pick back up at Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. Keep in mind, they just watched a man who was lame his entire life, by the way, be prayed over and claimed healing in the name of Jesus Christ, and the man immediately got up and walked. And you got everybody standing around in awe of this. So Peter saw this opportunity. He seized this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is another spot, guys, that the church has to capitalize on. Peter realized that there was a great testimony that just took place. An amazing testimony that just took place. Sure, it's a miracle, but it's also a testimony. One thing that the church has to do is we have to make sure that we are going out and we're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ that he's done in our lives. The times that we were down, the times that we were struggling, and he lifted us up and gave us a victory, guys, that's the good news. And as a church, we've got to be, see, so many times those things will happen, and, and, and Christians decide, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about it, or I don't have the courage to talk about it. That, 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 guys, 
okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest, y'all ain't going to like this, but you're a coward. In order to build God's kingdom, you must be courageous, and those are simple things. We can't go out and tell the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in our life and the man died on the cross for us. The least we can do is do that. So many people look at us, I don't know where to serve in the church, I don't know what to do, you know, I, I can't teach, I can't preach, I can't, you know, I can't do these things. Well, then just go tell your good news. That's pretty simple. Peter set a great example too, man, catching the, oh, he caught it. He knew that was the right opportunity. All right, we're going to move on to chapter 4. After the lame man was healed, Peter and John were arrested by the Sadducees for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people at the temple. The next day, they were brought before the high priest and his council to plead their case. We're going to pick it back up, guys, here at uh, Acts 4, 7 through 12. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how we, or excuse me, do you want to know how he was healed? Verse 10. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the power, excuse me, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures when it says, the stone that you builders reject has now become the cornerstone. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Guys, Peter and John just got arrested. They don't know if they're going to jail or fixing to, get, or fixing to die. And this man steps up with the boldness to talk to these people that way. I said earlier about a coward. One of the things I've noticed about the church in the United States of America, there's a major lack of courage. A major lack of courage. Guys, we got churches that are allowing things. Mm. Oh, I didn't plan on going down that road. We've got churches, guys, today that have, that praise homosexuality. Now, hang on. I need everybody in this room to know, regardless of, of your, I don't want to word this. God, give me the right word. Regardless of your sexual beliefs, we still love you. We still love you. But we're still going to teach you the truth. I refuse to ever stand up here on this stage and at this pulpit, and y'all have my word on this, to not give you the truth. And we've got churches that are allowing these things, and they're allowing pastors that are out sleeping around on their wives. 
They're allowing leadership to take money. Guys, it takes courage to run God's house the right way. I want to thank you guys as a church for trusting myself and leadership to do it the right way. And I need you all to know that, again, you have my word that it will be done the right way. But here's what I need you to do as a congregation. Continue to pray for us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that evil one is slick. We always need your prayers and your encouragement. I promise you that. I'm telling you, we're focused. We're focused on the right thing. We're focused on giving you the truth and running this church by truth, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But again, hold us accountable. Pray for us. It's a team, guys. We're all one team. Amen? I'm going to get off that. Here in a moment, guys, um, we're going to take a look at the next verse, which would be verse 13. But before we do that, um, I need y'all, need y'all give me a moment. Do I have y'all's attention? I'm not even going to mess with the notes. Five years ago, God came to me and told me that I had to plant and pastor a church. But there was something else that he told me, and it was... It was what it was going to look like, the vision of this church. Some of y'all know this, but the vision was not just one church. It was multiple churches. But the other thing that he told me that I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of forgot about. And he reminded me of it at the end of December, just a month ago. This church is not only going to have either multiple churches or we're going to help plant multiple churches. This church is going to produce multiple pastors. Five months, or excuse me, last month, I'm sitting, we, we went snow skiing in Colorado. Well, let me rephrase that. My family went snow skiing. <laughs> I just chilled. Me and my mother-in-law, we had a date every day. We're the only two that don't, that don't ski. And I'm sitting on the couch in the condo that we're at early one morning. And God reminds me 
that we're supposed to produce multiple pastors. He tells me in that moment that we have three years to prepare for major growth. We've been talking about this. The major growth that we have in three years, and, and I'm already seeing it taking place, is we had to get people in place. We've got to get more servers. Guys, that can't stop, by the way. You know, so many times, you, you know, you light the flame and it goes out. As a church, I need y'all to continue to encourage others to serve. Because to get where he wants us in three years, we're going we're gonna to need it. In three years, this church is either going to plant another church, or we're going to help plant another church. We have three years. And we're going to produce pastors through this process. God told me in that moment that there are men sitting in this room on Sundays that he's trying to get across to them that they're supposed to pastor, that they're supposed to be shepherds of his flock, that they're supposed to oversee a church. He also told me there's people online that watch that God's calling to. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you when he told me that. So there's no way. I said, like, God, we, we got too much going on at the church we got now. We can't fit everybody in the sanctuary. I'm like, God, there's no way. God, I... How are we supposed to produce pastors or plant another church when in three years when, when we're sitting here just struggling to get servers? Check that off the box, by the way. You know what he said to me? Me and Dakota Duke were just talking about this yesterday. He said, you sound like the same guy that told me five years ago that you couldn't plant a church. And look at it today. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but God kicks me in the teeth sometimes, and that was one of those moments. How can I doubt this in three years when look what he's done in four? So my next question to him was, God, why do you think we as a church, why do you think that the leadership at this church can produce other pastors? We have nobody on staff with a seminary or biblical degree. And he showed me this next verse. I want to go look at Acts 4.13. The members of the council, keep in mind, Peter and John are in front of these men. They have no idea what's fixed to happen to them. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures no seminary degree they also recognized them as men who personally knew Jesus now the rest of the story is they let them go because they saw the anointment on them guys what God showed me in this moment he's not looking for people that have that book memorized, he's looking for people that have him memorized. Now, you got to know that book now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying that. It's kind of important. Amen? 
guys, I, I'm gonna ask y'all an honest question. How many times do you see pastors that have those degrees and they're standing up here preaching and there's no emotion? You, there, there's no spirit coming out of them. Guys, what I've learned about pastoring is God doesn't want me to preach. He wants to preach through me. We have people at this church that are anointed. You may be thinking right now, Micah, I, I kind of feel that tug, but you know what? I, I don't know the Bible well at all. Guess what? You're looking at a man that stood in your place 10 years ago. You're looking at him. Guys, if you're anointed and you're called to pastor, I promise you God equips all those that he calls. Again, just look around the room. You got a guy from Cass County with a C average high school grade, okay? That was my average. Dyslexic ADD, no biblical degree, none of that, but I promise you right now, I don't have any of that stuff. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'll go up against anybody with the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. And there's men in this room that will do the same thing. What I'm telling you today is quit holding back. I did it for far too long. I promise you, if you're, if you called, he's got your back. Let me check my notes. I was struggling with preaching on this. <laughs> You know, here's the thing. I always hear God. I know I hear him. I always recognize his voice, but I, I struggle with the timing. Always scroll, you know, when's the right time to give this information out? Because here's the thing. It's like I was just saying, when he told me this, I'm like, it's crazy. There's no way. This, this can't work. There's, it can't happen. There's just no way. And Then I, I got positive. You know, God gave me this confirmation, and I'm like, all right, we're good, we're good. And then literally, y'all, I'm not exaggerating, on Friday... I'm at the jewelry store, sitting in my office. Every Friday, I try to, if, if I've got time, I'll get my, my laptop out, my Bible out, and I'll try and at least get the intro to the sermon on there, because that, that takes me the longest time, believe it or not. The rest of it's easy, but getting the intro to the sermon, how it's supposed to get started, get kick-started. So I'm sitting there, and I've got my laptop down, and I literally, I'm not exaggerating, I typed the first line, and doubt creeped in. And I sat there and I said, God, I know I hear you, but I'm really struggling with the timing of this to be able to deliver this message that you want this congregation to hear. I'm just not sure if this is the right time. I'm not going to name a name because I didn't get permission, but there was a gentleman that reached out to me just a couple days before. And he said, uh, he doesn't live here in town. He said, I need to come see you. I just need some help with something. No problem. That's not out of the normal. I get that. I wrote the first line. And I immediately started to doubt. And in he walks. And he walks back into my office and he sits in the chair across from me. And I said, brother, what can I do for you? And he said, I think I'm called to pastor. Y'all tell me that ain't confirmation. Guys, when you're struggling, 
Spiritual warfare is so real. And when there's a message that God gives you that has to get across, that doubt will just sink you so bad. And it just gets poured on you. Guys, here's what I need you to understand. Ask for confirmation. And then I'll tell you something else you do when you're going through those struggles. There's one other thing that you need to do, and I had to do it this morning. I reached out to some individuals. I said, God, I'm struggling. I said, I'm struggling this morning. You gave me confirmation Friday. I'm still struggling with it this morning. God, I was struggling with it five minutes ago. That's why I was up here crying and praying. I had to make dang sure this is right. This is a big step for our church. When you're struggling like that, that's what you've prayed up, right? Like you've, you've fought it, you've prayed, you've rebuked evil, you, you, you've, you've anointed yourself, you, you're just sitting there, you're in, in worship all the time, and, and you're trying to get the Holy Spirit all over you and so forth. You get all fired up and then doubt comes. You get all fired up and then doubt comes. That's when God's telling you, you can't fight this battle alone. You have brothers and sisters that will pray for you and with you and go into that battle with you. So this morning I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, God, who, who do I need to reach out to? I reached out to three individuals. One of them just prayed for me in the back before service, my man, and gave me the exact verse that I needed today. He had no idea exactly what I was going through, and the verse he read to me was nothing but about spiritual warfare. And how we are not to conform to the ways of the world. Amen? Amen. Guys, what I'm getting at is as soon as I reached out to these individuals, I felt the prayers. I immediately had peace and confirmation. Guys, when you're struggling, get with your brothers and sisters. And if you don't have them, it's your own fault. Because there's a lot of opportunities at this church. A lot of opportunities. That's the power of a church. And what God has shown me is we may not be, again, the most organized. We don't have the biggest sanctuary. We don't have all the cool stuff that other youth rooms may have. You know, ping pong. Well, we do have ping pong tables. You know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> pool tables and, and, and video games and all that kind of stuff. And, and we may not have a big giant screen uh, you know, TV that plays all these different things, and we, not, we may not have this really cool kids' room and all these other kind of things, but what God has shown me is in the last four years, this church again, and I talk about it a lot, has baptized over 100 people. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, I ain't ever been part of a church this size that has done that. In fact, I don't think I've ever been part of a church even bigger that's done that. I'm sure, obviously, they're, they're out there, obviously. But I hadn't been a part of it. And what he told me was this. Y'all are doing it right. I just need you to teach that to other men so they can get out and start pastoring some other churches. So that's our job, guys. That's the calling of this church. We got three years to prepare and I don't know what, it, I'll be honest with you, he didn't give me the full vision. He just said, I need you to prepare for this. But it's either we're planting another church and we're getting a pastor ready, or we're going to have other pastors coming out of here and we're helping them plant churches. Regardless, I don't care. It's all God's church. And I'm going to tell you right now, let's say we have a guy that comes up and he says, man, I feel I'm called to pastor. And three years from now, he plants a church one mile down the road. 
guess what we're going to do? We're going to close this sucker on his first Sunday, and we're going to all go over there. And I'll tell you something else. The other thing we're going to do, this one's louder. I'm going to look at all of y'all, and I'm going to say, I need y'all to pray and see if you're supposed to go with them. Now, I love y'all. I ain't trying to get rid of you. But I want you to notice something. I promise you, if somebody plants a church a mile down the road, there's people here that can help that pastor plant that church. And I want you to go do it. If God's calling you to do it, it's what I want you to do. Because, again, guys, I need you to understand it ain't about building Christian Warriors Church. It's about building God's kingdom. Amen? Amen? The biggest reason that God wanted us to do this, and this is what he really hit me with, when I kept saying we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, and I started thinking about how it was a struggle for me, he said, yeah, it was a struggle for you, but if you'll help them, Guys, I didn't have that. I didn't have that support system from another pastor. Don't get me wrong, I had pastors that lifted me up and encouraged me and helped me and so forth, but I didn't have a pastor that took me through a three-year process of learning the ways of the church. We can really help other pastors get kick-started. So that's the vision. That's what God's put before us. Next week, I'm going to go into more detail, guys, of this process, how it will take place, the grooming process and mentoring process of these new pastors. We're going to discuss the process, well, excuse me, what it will look like, what it will consist of, and also next week, I want to talk about the characteristics that God is looking for in new pastors. The Bible clearly states the characteristics that every pastor must have. And next week, this congregation, you guys are going to learn those characteristics. And I'm going to tell you why you're going to learn those characteristics. Because that way, you can hold your pastor, your leadership team, and these new pastors that we're going to groom, you can hold us accountable. Y'all need to know what these are. I want you to hold us accountable. That's how we do things right. That's how we grow that's how God's kingdom's built the right way. Amen? If you feel you're one of these men that I've been talking about, guys, don't come to me today. Just hold on. Don't come to me today. I want you to go home. I want you to pray about it all week. You better go talk to your wife about it. And then something else that I need you to do is come back next week because I'm going to really hone in on what God looks for in somebody that shepherds his flock because it's serious. This is not just, this is a, listen, you don't do it because it's fun. It is fun, but you don't do it because it's fun, because it's not always fun. There's some hard times that come with that. So if you feel like you're called, spend all week in prayer. Come back next week, and then we'll start talking about the next steps.